0: My purpose on Pilgrim's Progress is to help you on the journey toward heaven. I do that very specifically by bringing you biblical teachings each day. But I do that in another way. It's not just to bring you biblical teachings. It is to bring to you the way to God. My interest is that you understand the ways of God, and then you be able to begin to function in those ways in such a a manner that God will speak with you and order your steps. The cry of my heart is that you would walk righteous before an almighty God, The cry of my heart is that you would walk righteous before God. Now, I know if I were doing just straight expository preaching, that would be more acceptable than what I do. If I were preaching polemics, if I were doing stories, there are many different ways to preach. But there's one kind of preaching that is not very acceptable in our culture today. And that's preaching on righteousness and on the ways of God, calling men and women to repent and turn from their sin. That's not very acceptable. And in history, the men who preached righteousness were not very successful. I think immediately of Jeremiah the prophet he had perhaps one or two converts out of 25 years of preaching. He was spectacularly unsuccessful in his preaching to the children of Israel. Not surprising, there was another man who preached year after year after year and lived a righteous life. His preaching was to no avail in the end, he barely had his family with him, and even then they were only half converted. His name was Noah. The people of Noah's age were willing to come and work to build the ark. He hired carpenters, iron workers, stone masons. He hired farmers. He hired craftsmen. Not just one or two, but probably hundreds. It cost Noah literally everything he had. He was building an ark. No one had ever heard of an ark. So everyone came to see this spectacular ark that was being built on dry ground. But none of those people who listened to his preaching and saw his weeping would enter into that ark. Now, if the ark had stood... With the animals safely stored inside, the door was still open, and then the raging storm had come. Every spot in the ark would have been occupied. People would have been jammed in from top to bottom. But the door closed before the storm came. If you today, if you could see the storm that is coming in the judgment of God, you would rush to find a place in the ark of God, in the ark of safety. But because the sun is shining, because life continues as normal, because you have food to eat and videos to watch, because you have entertainment to keep you happy. A lone preacher's voice warning you that God's judgments are about to fall, that the economy is going to crash. These have little to no effect upon you. When I cry out to you against the wickedness of this age, everything from the vile music, uh, the concert raves. If I were to cry out to you about the pornography, if I were to cry out to you about the fornication, if I would cry out to you about the style of dress, it would roll right off your backs, as it has. But if you were in the storm that's coming and the destruction that will follow, you then would be much more interested. But that's usually not God's way. We're studying together the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, the writer very concisely and logically lays out step by step who Jesus Christ is, called Lord, called God. He came and was declared with power to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek, the writer of Hebrews demonstrates for us that the old order has passed and a new order has come. The writer describes for us the penalty in chapter 10 that will be paid by those who continue to deliberately sin against God. He describes the fire that's going to fall and consume the enemies of God. But then in chapter 11, he turns and begins to give us a parade of God's people, men who stood though the heavens fell, men who who heard the word of God, who heard in the Greek the rhema of God. Now, again, the rhema is a divine revelation from God. It is a divine revelation that requires us to do something or else we simply walk away. The rhema word calls us to action or to blowing it off. The rhema word comes and with it is a call to set something right that is in opposition To God Himself. Now all of Scripture is God breathed. So all of Scripture is in that sense a Rhema word. Now I need to be very practical in response to some of your questions that you've been asking me. If you'll go with me to Mark, Mark the 11th chapter. I want to read for you a passage of Scripture that I have stood on and am currently standing on. This is Mark 11. Let me begin reading with 22. And Jesus, having answered, says to them, You must have faith from God. Remember, I've said to you that faith from God only comes from a rhema word now let me explain verse 23 now truly I say to you that whatever that whoever may say to this mountain you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and may not waver in his heart but may believe that what he says will happen whatever he may say will be done for him For this reason, I say to you, everything you may ask praying, you must believe that you have received it, and it will be done for you. And so the question that I was asked last night was, this is a rhema word. It is a promise of God. But pastor, you're saying that I must personally have a rhema word that will Bring forth faith. Yes, that Rhema word, that Rhema word must come forth with power. So, how does that happen? Well, usually we only pray out of a need to pray. Usually we pray because there's something happening in us that says you must pray. There is a desperate need that must be met. And so we pray. Now, when I, many years ago, was alone raising two daughters, I needed a wife. My heart was lonely. I was crying out to God for a wife, and I've discovered that it's, according to Second Peter, through the precious promises of God that we participate in the divine nature. And so I grabbed a hold of this promise, and I began to read it aloud. Every day I would go to my prayer closet from 10 to 11 and I would read this prayer aloud before God and I would claim this promise as my own. But there was no quickening. It was utterly dead. There was no rhema word for me. It is a rhema word, but I could not activate this rhema word. I don't have the power to activate a rhema word for myself. So day after day, I went to the prayer closet faithfully. Raw. Determined. Crying out to God. I had to have an answer. Finally, the answer came. Yes, I've chosen a wife for you. If you'll wait, I'll bring her to you. And suddenly this passage came alive for me. God breathed into this rhema word for me. The old timers called this praying through. When you begin to pray, there is often no rhema word. When you begin to pray, there is often no word of confidence or assurance that God will even hear your prayer. You simply know what the scriptures say. And so you take a stand in your flesh and in your spirit as best you can, and you believe that the word is true, But there's no quickening of that word for you. I've done this so many times. So many times. In so many places. In so many ways. Where I've had a need from God. And I have come to him and I have stood on a promise. And I've pressed him. And I've pressed him. And I've pressed him like the importunate widow who finally said, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to press him until he answers me. In my case, it took a full year of pressing this promise before God spoke to me. And then after he spoke to me, it took six months for him to bring to pass what he had promised. But I stood on the rhema word, that was not quickened to me until it was quickened to me. And then I stood an additional six months in the faith from God that what he said he would do for me. And, oh, he did it. He brought forth a beautiful wife out of this promise in Mark 11, 22, Through 24. This is not positive affirmation. Please understand the difference. I am coming day by day before the throne of God and I am asking Him for what I need. I am believing that He will answer my prayer. But what I'm waiting for is that final confirmation in the Spirit that He has heard my prayer and He will answer my prayer. And then the answer comes. And the need is filled. If you're unwilling to put the time in the prayer closet... If you're unwilling to take that hour a day to pray for the salvation of your husband or your wife, or to pray for your marriage, or to pray for your child, you will probably not get an answer. Every day from 10 to 11 o'clock right now, I'm going to my prayer closet, I do preparation for radio. And then I go to my prayer closet. And I spend a minimum of one hour before God. And I'm praying now and standing by faith now for another wife. And God has quickened that to me by a rhema word. And he's told me when he will bring her. And I'm standing by faith now. I'm no longer praying this prayer and saying, you promised, you must do it. I'm standing on the word saying it will happen. No, I'm standing on the rhema word of God that this promise is faithful and true and that he has spoken and told me that he will work it all out for me and that I am to be still before him. And acknowledge him and praise him and worship him. And he's told me when he'll bring my wife. Now, please, I want you to understand today faith always must be from God. It's not something we create in ourselves. And it generally comes out of a great need. And it comes out of long experience of walking with God and understanding and turning from all wickedness, from all evil, and being righteous before him. And then we come and we pray. Now, one person said to me, I have such vile things in my heart. And I'm praying and asking God to remove them. But he hasn't removed them yet. What should I do? You find the promises of Scripture and you stand on those promises until the rhema word of God comes to you and quickens you and brings to you the fulfillment of the cry of your heart to make you righteous, to wash you and make you whole. This is particularly true in the life of a man or a woman who has come to God, repented of their sin, turned aside from their wickedness, and then went back to it. This is particularly true... For those of you who have been sexually unclean before God, sexual sin is much more difficult to deal with in the human heart than any other kind of sin. Why? Because sexual sin opens the heart and the body to the powers of darkness in a way no other sin will open the heart and the soul to darkness. This is why sexual sin is... Is so difficult to deal with. But all addictive things are hard to deal with when you keep going back to them. God will give you deliverance over alcohol, and then you go back to it. It will be more difficult next time than it was this time. You're addicted to your gluttony. You lose the weight. You have the victory. And then you stack all the weight on plus another 100 pounds. It's much more difficult the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, tenth time. Because God wants to know, are you really serious with me? Do you really want this deliverance or are you just a yo-yo? And it means a deeper selling out of our hearts, a deeper crucifixion with Jesus. It means there must be an even more intense desire on our part to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. We can go back and rebuild, Paul says. We can go back and rebuild what the Holy Spirit destroyed of the works of the devil in our hearts. But if we rebuild those works of the devil, they're going to be more difficult to deal with the next time. Not impossible. The blood of Jesus can break all bondage and set every man and every woman free. But please understand... You're going to have to pray through. And you're going to have to pray through until you are quickened in the Holy Spirit with a supernatural power that says, I now will deliver you. And then you wait for the deliverance. Now the writer of the book of Hebrews wants us to witness this process that I've just described for you in the life of a number of the greats of Scripture. He begins with Abel who had God talking because of his very large and abundant gift, unselfishly dividing out for God the majority of the portion and keeping only a small sliver for himself, while Cain came and gave God only a very small portion and kept for himself the majority. I see this in the life of men all the time. I see a man come to the National Prayer Chapel. He makes very slow progress. In fact, it may take years for him to make progress. Why? Because he's selfish with God. I see another person come to the National Prayer Chapel And their heart is overflowing and they pour out more than they should be giving. And I'm even concerned at the level of giving, but I know what it means. It means that they're going to make very quick progress in the depth and the breadth in the things of God. Because they've opened their heart and the portions they're giving to God are utterly unselfish a man who keeps for himself and is chintzy with God. God will not bless that man or that woman in an abundance of spiritual understanding and growth. With the measure you used, it will be measured out to you, Jesus said. And so if you want to make quick progress in the things of God, In the things of heaven, don't be selfish with God. Don't be selfish with his people. Open your hearts, and as the Holy Spirit prompts you, give immediately and give hilariously. Because in the giving, you will open wide your heart to receive the things that God wants to give you, and you will make very rapid progress In the things of God. I'll never forget. I was running a job club. It was run by the church. And we were placing many hundreds of people back into the job market. We were helping them with resumes. We were helping them with interview skills. With support groups. With classes. One man came. He was a professional man, a very good-looking man, presented himself very well, was very articulate, had a wonderful education, and he just could not get a job. And finally, one day in the group, he was expressing his frustration that it seemed that everyone else was able to find a job, and he was not able to find one. And I asked him a very key question. I said to him, How long can you go without a job financially? How long can you go without a job? He said, Oh, probably a year. I said, Ah, oh. do you want a job? Yes then take that year's worth of money and go give it to somebody who's in desperate need and then come back to the group and I will assure you that within the next 30 days, you will have the job you want. The whole group looked at me as though I had lost my mind. They laughed at me. But he grew quite serious. And he gave away that money to a family member who was in desperate need. And before 30 days was out, he had his new job. Well, what happened? Well, on one side, he had no need, and so he was comfortable and was not pursuing the job the way it was necessary in order to gain the job. He would go to the interview and chit-chat with the interviewer enjoying the company, but not pursuing a position. The other side was that he was also very tight and very chintzy. And when he opened his heart and gave, God could move him forward into the job he'd chosen for him. So the first person is Abel. The second person spoken of, is Enoch, and Enoch was taken because it said God was well pleased with him. Now, in the case of Abel, he was declared to be righteous, that is, he was declared to be dikisune, he was declared to be innocent, rendered innocent, In the case of Enoch, he was declared to be well-pleasing to God. Now, we come to Noah. He was warned concerning things that were coming upon the earth. I don't know if that warning was a verbal warning, because before the flood, God seemed to be very close to many in, in the history of that time, he spoke personally to Cain. God spoke personally to Cain. God spoke personally to Enoch. Now, I don't know how God communicated to Noah the warning about what was coming. It may have been a great vision or dream It may have been, and I'm guessing was, a verbal conversation with him. Noah received a rhema word from God. And based on that rhema word from God, he moved with reverent awe, the scriptures say. And he began to build an ark a huge undertaking that would take him a hundred years. A huge building project of that day. Massive, massive timbers. The design, the layout, God spelled it all out for him according to the sixth chapter of Genesis. Now, why was God having Noah build an ark? Remember, I said a Rhema word always comes to adjust or repair something that the devil has corrupted. And we're told in the scriptures in Genesis, the sixth chapter that when men began to increase in number on the earth and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. It's very clear to me from scripture, even though everyone seems to say, well, we're really not sure what that is. We don't know. Well, I think we do know if we're honest with the word. The word Nephilim means fallen ones, giants, fallen ones. Who were the fallen ones? Were the sons of men the fallen ones? No, they're never referred to in Scripture as the fallen ones. The only ones who are referred to in Scripture as the fallen ones are the angels of heaven who deserted their post and came to earth as they were cast out of heaven with this demon Lucifer who was the chief angel, a seraphim, a a warrior. He led the angels. A third of heaven followed him. These are the fallen ones. Now, I don't understand the physiology. I don't understand the biology. I don't know how an angel can have intercourse with a human woman. But the scriptures say that happened. I don't know if that means they could manifest themselves in human form and in that give birth to a child. But children were born and these children became giants. Giants of the fallen ones. And when these giants fell in death, because they were half angel and half human, those spirits continued to roam the earth. Those spirits continue today to roam the earth and bring every kind of wickedness and temptation and evil to the human race. But the scriptures seem to indicate that these Nephilim began to control and rule over men. They were the men of renown, of great strength. I've seen pictures of giant skeletons. These are available if you simply research on the internet. Men 30 feet tall. Can you imagine an angel man 30 feet tall? The strength of that, of that being. We also find many stories of cannibalism that these giants would eat human beings. Now, I don't know if that's true. I've read much about that. But that's really not the point. The point is men became so filled with violence, so filled with darkness, that God comes to the one man he found who was righteous. That man was Noah. And he instructed Noah in the building of an ark. Now you may wonder, why are you referring to it as an ark instead of a ship? It was not a ship, it was an ark. A ship would have a means of propulsion, a ship would have a means of guidance. This ark had no rudder. Now, this ark did have stones, and those stones can be seen in Turkey. They had great heavy stones tied with ropes to the part of the ship that would cause it to always face into the waves and the wind. And so God designed an ark that could not be steered and could not be sailed as a place of safety to preserve the life of one family on the earth. Now Noah preached, according to the apostle Peter, as a man of great righteousness, preaching repentance, I can see him now laying aside his tools as a crowd gathers to ask him questions about what he's building because it has become quite a tourist attraction. And you see this great man, this strong man, this mighty man with arms uplifted preaching to them, about why he's building an ark and rebuking them for their sin and asking them to repent and to get right with God and to join him in the ark. And no one was interested. Oh, I'm sure they walked through the ark and they oohed and they awed. They saw what was prepared and they said, No, we don't want to walk into this ark and let the door be closed on us. They were certain that he would be the laughing stock of the world. News of this ark, I'm sure, spread far and wide to every corner of the world. A crazy man is building an ark and saying that water is going to come from the sky. They'd never seen water from the sky. And the whole earth is going to be covered with water. So I'm sure people spent their vacations traveling. I'm sure there were drunken parties carousing. I'm sure Noah had very powerful guards and suppliers. He obviously had been a very wealthy man in that world, or he could not have afforded to purchase all the timber and to pay all the salaries. Noah heard from God a Rhema word and in reverent awe he built an ark for the deliverance of his household. By building that ark, Noah condemned the world. And he became the true heir of righteousness in accordance with his faith that flowed from the Rama Word of God. <laughs> what Rhema Word of God has come to you? What Rhema Word of God have you heard? What are you crying out to God to do for you? I'm gonna open the phone lines. I'd be interested in knowing what are you asking God for? And have you heard a Rhema word? Has it been quickened to you? Our phone number in studio is eight seven seven. Five three four zero seven eight zero. 534 780 If you have questions, call. Or if you'd like to share and ask for prayer, please call. This time belongs to you. We have time for a number of you to get in. Have you heard a rhema word from God, and how are you living that out? Has God quickened a promise in your heart? And what are the results? Do you understand what it means to pray through until you gain the victory? Do you have questions about what I've been sharing with you out of this 11th chapter regarding the rhema words? If you do, please call right now, 877-534-0780. I'd love to hear from you. It's been a while since I've opened these phone lines for you. Why don't you call? 877-534-0780. And while I wait for your call, I want to thank all of you again who participated last month in this giving and receiving, where you stepped forward so faithfully and have continued to step forward. I went to the post office yesterday. There were three precious letters from believers who listened to this broadcast with gifts to help cover the month of August. I thank you for that. Mr. Producer, I couldn't hear you.
1: Nagat is on the
0: line. Good. Nagat, welcome. What would you like to share? Hello. How are you? Hi, Nagat. I'm well. Thank you.
1: I just wanted to say I'm 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 always always grateful grateful to have... an opportunity, an opportunity to listen to, to, you, to during you during my lunch hour,
0: Lord. and I, I think I sent something, heard something in, the in the mail about healing. Nagat, um, N- 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 hold just a minute. Is your radio off? Yes, yes, it's
1: it's off.
0: off. Okay, good. Yes, you sent me a piece on healing. It was excellent. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's, I, that's what the Lord, the Lord wanted, wanted, wanted to do for me. For me. He, wanted he wanted to heal me from the inside out. Yes. It's amazing. You know, you the, know the, the more, the I, more I, I get I closer, closer to, to him, the, him, the more, more he speaks, he speaks to, to, to me. And, 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 I, and love I love it. it. I, think, I he think he wants me to have a, have a really good, good relationship, relationship with, with him first. first. And, and you, know, you what know what I found, found out was that, was that, that you, know, you, you know, know, my history, history that I had been asking for prayer for my family to get saved because I'm from Pakistan. And no one's received Christ yet. And so, and so what, what I, found I found out, out was, that was that the Lord, Lord wanted me to stand, stand back, back and, and watch Him do him the do work, work and not me to be God, God for my for family. family. And so I'm standing back and I'm just going to keep praying and watch what He does for me and my family.
0: And you know what? His His rhema word will accomplish what he has sent it out to accomplish. (laughs) Yes. And you can trust him to do that. Yes. Yes. Well, Nagat, let me pray together with you in agreement. Lord, I just stand by faith with Nagat today that you are now moving with power for the salvation of her family. And that as she just lets go of them and continues to intercede, your mighty power will go forth and accomplish what she could not accomplish. Lord, we acknowledge that we can't do it, that either your Holy Spirit must do it or it won't happen. So, Lord, I thank you today for what you're doing and for the testimony that God has shared. Lord, would you encourage and lift her up today and give her great strength in the Spirit. And, Lord, I remember that she was crying out to you for another place to live, a place that would be safer for her family. Lord, I just continue to agree with her in prayer. And ask that you accomplish all that you desire for her, Lord. You said that all good gifts come down from the Father of Lights above, Lord. Thank you. I pray in your holy name, Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Yes, the other
1: thing, the other thing that he had told me, or that I, um, the message that I got was abundance, and I know he gives an abundance. And I'm just expecting and waiting.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, and he will.
1: Yes.
0: It is not God's will to steal from us. It's God's will to bless and lift us up.
1: Yes.
0: As we walk in righteousness. Okay, Nagat, thank you for your call. God bless you.
2: Thank you. God bless you too, Pastor. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. The lines are open. You're welcome to call. Do you have a testimony of what that rhema word is from God that perhaps has not come to pass yet, but you have prayed through and you know you have the victory? Or are you just starting this prayer time and you're in reverent awe of God, waiting on him and crying out to him, I'd be happy to pray with you. 877-534-0780. Now, while I wait for a call, I want to give you the address for the National Prayer Chapel while I with great humility say, only God could move and do what has happened in the financing of this radio broadcast. Thank you for your faithfulness to Jesus in the way you have given to him and carried the broadcast. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22 one nine five. That's a National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box twenty three forty six Woodbridge, Virginia two two one nine five. I also want to invite you to go to our webpage. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. dot com. dot com. You're also welcome to come and visit the National Prayer Chapel. We're located at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. We rent space from the All Saints Anglican Church. They're a wonderful family church, and they, along with Emmanuel uh, Anglican Church, have made it possible for us to have a worship center at the All Saints Anglican Church. It's located at one four eight five one Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, two two one nine two. That address again, All Saints Anglican Church. One four eight five one Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, two two. 192. We have five minutes left in our broadcast. If you'd like to call, you're welcome to quickly 877 534 0780. I recognize that the writer of the book of Hebrews is trying to teach us very clearly how we're to stand by faith. And this 11th chapter of Hebrews is going to lead is going to lead us into chapter 12. You may want to just read ahead. So you'll see where we're going and what the meaning is of this parade. And we have who on the phone? Betty Hi, Betty. Welcome. Hello. What would you like to share, Betty?
2: Oh, hey, Pastor. So, Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to share that um, as I've been praying consistently, um, the one thing that just this past week that. I, I feel like um, the Lord put in my heart, and I shared that in church as well, is that um, when I pray that I have to, with my husband, I have to almost like put myself in place of my husband, or I have to pray for him as if I'm praying for myself, as opposed to seeing him as a different person. and. Uh, and i'm grateful for that because i never i never um so think that way and as a result um it's just making me feel like more and more Um, love for him, Um, even, you know, with even things that are around. And I I see things, things that in the past would tend to bother me um, just because I I feel like that's not right or we shouldn't do things that way. I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing it that way anymore because I'm constantly being reminded that regardless, um, God is the one, you know, the Lord is in control. So um, I just have to um, continue in my prayer. Um, about my husband's, my husband's salvation self. and myself as well. Um, now, so what you all don't that. know,
0: what you all don't know, who are listening, is that Betty has a lovely husband. And I put it that way because Muhammad is a man's man, but he is <laughs> such a kind man. He has yes, a wonderful he heart. He is Muslim. Yes,
2: he does. Yes, yes.
0: He is a he is a prince among men. <laughs> and and this amazing understanding that god has given to betty i think could be profitable to many of you one of the key principles of intercession is that you must self identify with the one you are praying for yes. So that all judgment is removed from your heart and all yes. pride and superiority yes. is removed from your heart. Yes, yes, absolutely. Betty, is this what's happened?
2: Yes, absolutely. It's as if you know, absolutely. Because in the past, I will look at some of the things that he's he's doing, and I would want to tell him, I, I think that's wrong and that's not right, just because of the way I see things. But yes. now I'm understanding that he only wants to know God himself, and he's only doing things that he's used to, that he's accustomed to. So I cannot judge him for that. I just have to put myself in his place, and that never came to me until this past week. So that was it's ma- taking burdens off of me.
0: Betty, that was a rhema word from God. Bless you, my sister. Thank you for calling.
2: you, we're right, out of time.
0: We're out of time. But thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I want you to make fast progress in this walk with Jesus. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. God bless you. I love you, my brother, my sister. I want you to walk with me in reverent awe before Jesus in righteousness. I'll talk to you soon.
1: great joy, with great joy. to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus.